we're all like we're not competing we're all teammates it's so much nicer when when we realize that Welcome everyone to Straight Ahead, an animation podcast where we spotlight rising by POC artists who are the future voices of the animation industry. I am Raymond Ozalanda, one half of your co-host. And I'm Yuki Okumura-Wong, the other half of our whole host. Our guest this week is Gloria Felix. She is a Latina artist working as a freelance illustrator and VizDev artist in Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, would you mind telling us a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, uh, well, thank you so much for having me and... Yeah, I'm really oh, excited thank you so much to for be being here. On. Thank you. So yeah, I'm a bizstep artist and illustrator. I'm from Mexico. I moved to California like five years ago to do a master's degree in visual development. And then I moved to LA, worked there for a while. And right now I'm in Mexico because of the pandemic, <laughs> working from home. A uh, damn yeah. pandemic. <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, so the way we like to start off on Straight Ahead is by playing a little game called In Between. Uh, mm. We are going to have you, uh, we're going to give you two similar choices and you have to choose in between the two of them and let us know why. Okay. So uh, no pressure, it's just going to be like silly questions. Uh, okay. Ray, you want to ask the first one? <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll go. Uh, so who's a better guitar player, Manolo from Book of Life or Miguel from Coco? Oh my God. Well, I guess Manolo, like I'm closer to Manolo because he's older and maybe Miguel <laughs> will have more time to practice when he, as he gets older and become even better. But right now I'll have to give it to Manolo because experience, you know? Mm. Right, that was the right answer. Yeah, <laughs> I don't respect I, I, those years of dedication for uh, sure. I, I, mm-hmm. I would have said I would have said Manolo. Oh yeah, I would have said Manolo. But just because yeah. you like him, <laughs> maybe. But now, now, now I have reasoning. Like what you said makes sense, so mm-hmm. now I'm gonna use that. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Happy no, I, I, do, I do like that reason. I just yeah. like surprised <laughs> that Ray is like, uh, yeah, I'm gonna copy your homework. <laughs> Um, all right, uh, the next one. Who would win in a snowball fight? Elsa from Frozen or Jack Frost from Rise of the Guardians? I don't know if you can Man. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, I think Jack Frost because he's like, like, she usually, she doesn't do that as much. I mean, she's done it. We've seen it. But I think Jack, that's, <laughs> that's all he's about. So I think he will win. But... It will be close. It will be a close match. <laughs> he, he's got more practice in snowball yeah. fights. Elsa's like, oh no, mm-hmm. I haven't done this in years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> that would be cute. It, 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 it all comes down to the experience. Oh no. <laughs> Man. Gloria's looking at the stats. <laughs> this just reminded me of the people on Tumblr who used to ship them. And I just like all those image to, oh. images of them like hugging and being happy came to my mind. I, I, I remember that in high school. Yeah, that was a thing. Uh, oh yeah. my god. Well, how you were in high school, thing. I was in college. <laughs> Do you raise a baby? Still on Tumblr. <laughs> yeah. Uh. 
This, cool, this that was a really good answer. Oh, yeah, the questions. Yeah, yeah <laughs> amazing, really amazing funny. answers. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So, so that was in between. Thank you for playing the game with us. You're a freelance visitor artist and illustrator. Could you mm -hmm. tell us a little bit more about your day to day, especially now? Okay, so right now, I gotta be honest, my schedule is super messed up. I find it really <laughs> oh, hard <no>. to focus. <laughs> but yeah, usually, you know, wake up, make breakfast, walk my dog a little bit, and then I look. Uh, Open my email, see what's if there's anything that came up or like if, if someone needs changes. And I do like the first, like the most urgent things first. Try to control them a little bit. Right now I'm working mm -hmm. on uh, uh, three children's books and doing some backgrounds for some, a couple of shirts. Oh, wow. So it's like just seeing the that's, deadlines, that's seeing what's more important when. And yeah, and then I... Take, I usually always have the TV on right now. I'm not proud of that because I get really <laughs> distracted. But yeah, then take a break and come back. Right now, it, since my schedule is a little bit off, it never feels like I stop working and it never feels like I can like actually take a break and I'm working to fix that. Um, how do you, you know what, you, you did name a lot of projects and I was kind of curious um, mm -hmm. how you kind of juggle those. Is that normal to take on like... Uh, four or five different clients at a time kind of thing? I think so. Maybe it shouldn't be as much. Right now I'm really struggling with that. Uh, okay. I, I don't think I should have taken a couple projects, but then they were really exciting. And uh, I. the good thing is like not all of the deadlines fall on the same days mm -hmm. or like around the same time. So in some, in one project right now, I'm just doing sketches and we're like figuring it out. In the other one, I'm waiting for revisions and then I can do some color while I do a couple of backgrounds for the other and like that. So I just do like a little bit of what's needed. Right. So de day by depending day. what's um, like what deadline's coming up sooner or what pro project needs more focus, do you like, like, yeah, from week to week, uh, you just prioritize one over the other depending on like yeah, or from day to day even, like, <laughs> we do only do this and tomorrow this one, and like that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dan, that, that, yeah, that's actually, like, I don't know a lot myself, so that's interesting to see and hear. It is fun, because you don't you don't get bored of, from one project, because it happens, even if, if the project is amazing, like, working on it every day, mm -hmm. maybe your eyes get a little bit tired, and with this, like, you're always, like, looking at new things. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so before this, you worked at Mousetrap Studio on the Coco Hollywood Bowl show. Yeah. And then for anyone who who doesn't know what that is, it's an incredible live performance of like various songs from Pixar's Coco with three giant screens playing clips from the movie. Uh, not only that, but there was also a lot of traditional Mexican songs uh, in the live performance as well. I'm guessing what Mousetrap worked on are the visual effects animation stuff that was framed around the orchestra dome. If you guys haven't seen it, honestly, check it out on YouTube. Uh, it's so it's so beautiful. But there was um, animations everywhere nowadays, including stage performances like this. Like, can you tell us how was that experience working at Mousetrap and doing something like that? Yeah, yeah, no, it's so exciting. And actually, you can watch some of the concert on Disney+. Plus. When you went to the concert, they play the whole movie and then they put like musical numbers in between. 
but on Disney Plus you can see all the musical numbers together ah. and it's pretty awesome yeah check it out and yeah I did the art for that was gonna be projected on the arc arch. really and it was huge yeah working on it uh you know, I wasn't used to used to working in such a big format, so I will do yeah, it like, like. What was your canvas dimensions? Like, what was the <laughs> Photoshop DPI? <laughs> it wasn't that huge, but like it was pretty big. But I was, you know, usually in like we're taught to not get too close to the canvas and try to work from afar. So I will do that and do the composition, and then the art director will come to me and say. No, you gotta put way more things in there because these are like two meter things. Yeah, they're gonna be so, huge. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my god, I like it was really hard to grasp, and then but thanks to their help, I don't think I will have come up with those paintings if it wasn't for them. So and then looking at them so big, it was amazing. But I wanted to tell the story of how I got yeah, hired go because it. it was pretty fun. I was. Um, I had just moved to, no, yeah, I had been like four months in LA, just like crashing my friend's couch and then an uncle's house. And I was like, I was still doing freelance, but I really wanted to get hired in the animation industry, but I didn't have any luck yet. So I was running out of money. So I thought I, need, I really need to get a part-time job to, to be able to stay here. And I got a call from this number I don't know, and it's uh, one of the producers in Mousetrap, and he's asking me, hey, wow. are you available for work? Uh, we saw your portfolio. I think maybe I had submitted it like, but like months ago mm -hmm. or a project I didn't even remember. And then I, maybe mm -hmm. they saw it and they remembered it, and they told me, yeah, it's something for Coco, something for Day of the Day. There's going to be this huge thing at Hollywood Bowl, and we would like you to, to do some paintings with us. Can you... Uh, can you give us your rate and can you come for an interview? And then I did and then I started working with them. And it was amazing. Everybody's so nice. The thinking mousetrap, I think it's that they don't really hire a lot of people to like stay there. There's just like, it's based project by project. So the, the people are mm -hmm. always changing. Like they told me, don't be surprised if one day your desk buddy leaves and somebody else come in. It's just what's going to happen. <laughs> I was like, okay, okay. Uh, and I was also a little bit surprised that it's like this um, project like a, for a Mexican celebration of Day of the Dead. Yeah. And I was the only Latin ex-Mexican person in the whole thing. No, really? And they were, yeah, yeah. But they, they were, they did amazing research uh, the director right. of Coco was coming in a few times to check out the work I, I didn't get to meet Whoa. him but he, he oh. saw my work and it was huge for me and <laughs> yeah so but and sometimes as the other uh, artists were working on it they will ask me like uh, what do you think of these like some elements of the culture like maybe for the shrines like the altar mm. Like, is this okay? And I will be like a, a little bit of like a cultural consultant. And I was really happy to do that because I'm from or Michoacán. And that's like one of the places in Mexico where we like take Day of the Dead like very seriously. It's a celebration, but like, yeah. it's super important to us. So I had, I grew up doing Day of the Dead with my family every year. And yeah, I was really happy to do it. 
Oh, that's really lucky for them that, too. That, that, that like yeah. you applied first of all, and then that were, they remembered you, and that you like yeah. have this specific background. Because like not everybody from like every culture like knows too deeply about certain holidays, things like that. But it, it, it's really fortunate that they had you yeah, on for like for a, sure. a consultant. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think I'm not sure. I think it was because the year before I had done an illustration about Day of the Dead for oh. school. And I think maybe they saw that and they thought like maybe some of the paintings could look like that. Uh, they mm-hmm. wanted a very impressionistic style, which I was really glad because I'm all about keeping things loose. So, and then it was mm-hmm. like a, there was a, it was like very quick, like a short, like we only have a couple of months to do the painting. So they wanted things to get done really quickly. And yeah, I think I work well under, under pressure so far. <laughs> and yeah, so it was, it was awesome. No, that's honestly super cool. Cause like, uh, I didn't even know that was even a thing. Uh, like when I was like looking at your resume and trying to get more familiar with your work, I saw that you did that. I was like, where was I? Like, how come I didn't know that this was a, like, when did this happen? <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, <laughs> uh, it was awesome. <laughs> And then some uh, of the artists thought that they will get to see it because I think they usually give them tickets, but this one was like super sold out and they didn't, they didn't get imagine. to go. Yeah, but I had tickets for it even before knowing I was going to go, I was going to be oh. working on it. So I got to see it with my friend. It was oh. awesome. And like, it, yeah. did you like stand there and like, I did that part or whatever? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everything, everything. <laughs> That's good. Yeah. Yes. That's that's an incredible, like, very unique experience too. So that's so cool that you got to to work on it and go see it and everything. I know. I was so happy. No, yeah. Uh, Thank you. Super cool. Honestly, super super cool. Uh, going back on like some of the experiences you've had, is one of like your earliest experiences uh, interning at uh, Catamel VFX, and how was how was that? Yeah, so my there was a job fair in my school, and it was around my last years there. So we were supposed to no, we could do internships at that point. Mm-hmm. So me and me and my friend mm-hmm. Itzel Martinez, she is an amazing three D artist. If you, you you please follow her, yeah. Itzel Martinez, and uh, yeah, we we met the people of Caramel and we talked to them, and they seem they seemed super chill. I think it's like a very small studio, maybe like it was four of them and we met three of them and they, like, I guess we clicked and they liked us and they they invited us to have our internship there. And yeah, it was our first like nine to five full-time thing. And uh, yeah, and then they hired four interns. So it was like four of us and five of them. So it was like a really... You guys, you guys almost outmatched them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Almost outnumbered. It was super chill. <laughs> and it, the craziest part to me is like, it was a huge house and they live there. So uh, they will have the their things like upstairs and the studio was downstairs. It was really fun and we will play StarCraft all the time. Uh, <laughs> and then they, they will have bonding. crazy parties and it was it was a great experience as an intern. But yeah, my, my, my favorite project there was uh, doing 3D textures for, uh, for uh, Rita Basulto's stop motion aerial winning short film, Juvia en los Ojos. I really recommend it. And it was 
awesome to meet Rita. She's one of the uh, Mexico's best stop motion artists that we have. Wow. And mm. yeah, seeing my, it was like a tiny part. It's like in the, the opening scene, there's like a, how do you call those little wooden cubes that kids play with, like the ones with the uh, alphabet? Like, yeah, oh, like block, wooden blocks. blocks. Yeah, yeah, yeah wooden blocks. blocks. Yeah. And they, it will spell the title like Lluvia en los ojos. Uh-huh. And I did the textures for the cubes. And I, uh-huh. it was so early in my career. And to have like my actual textures shown in a huge screen, it was, it was really amazing. And Rita uh-huh. is super fun. And yeah, it was, it was great meeting her. She was like super social too. And like she knew how to talk to people. And like back then I didn't really see a lot of that because I was just mostly with students and we we're all like very shy. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. So see, seeing her doing the job and then also like being a social butterfly, it was awesome. <laughs> oh, that's, that's, oh, that sounds like a really sweet experience. I'm glad that you, you got to have that. Yeah. Thank oh. you. So for those that don't know, uh, Caramel VFX is in Mexico, correct? Yes, in Guadalajara. So yeah, they're based in Mexico. So how was um, how was that experience between and the differences between the industry in Mexico and the U.S. for you? Mm. Uh, it's a big difference, I think. Mm. There, I think it will have to be a whole podcast to oh, explain really? all this. Yeah. <laughs> like, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think also one of the the biggest differences that I'm aware of is just the budget's different, usually. Oh, I feel like yeah. U.S. tends to have a larger budget for things. Than for sure. Especially in L.A. Maybe, I, maybe in other parts of the country, it's a little more closer to maybe what they, what they have in Mexico City. But mm-hmm. yeah. It's a huge difference in budget. Then um, there's a big problem with Mexico's uh, labor culture that, well, I haven't really experienced it actually because Caramel is the only studio experience that I have. But Mm -hmm. from hearing from what my friends tell me, Mm -hmm. it's just like sometimes they just want you to be there all day without like even if you're not getting that much work done they expect you to stay like after hours because oh. that's just like the the team spirit and like uh, they we have they have a an expression here that's like putting on the team shirt like no you, you gotta wear the team shirt like ponte la camiseta like like really <laughs> be a part of the team and do sacrifices like always for even if they yeah. don't pay you after hours and even if they just like get a pizza to keep you happy like yeah it's very demanding i think and then uh for freelance workers and yeah mostly independent artists sometimes it's sometimes it's a little bit hard to get people to like really respect you and like really respect what artists do like i know that's the way it is in like the whole world, but maybe in Latin American countries, uh, people do try to like take advantage of you a little bit more, mm. maybe without even realizing it, like maybe without being like, ha, yeah, I'm gonna rip off those silly artists. No, they just like, it's just <laughs> the way the culture is here. And many of us are trying to change it, uh, mm-hmm. but still like a Yeah, I know, that, I know there has been a small movement happening in Mexico to kind of correct that, because I think, it has, I don't want to say it was toxic, but it has been like 
like, yeah, like a lot of un- unpaid hours or a lot of overworkedness yeah. that they're trying to like, they're trying to change the culture of that. I think there is, I think Pixeleta is doing like a, or no, Pixelotl is doing a yeah. good job trying to push that forward. Yeah, Pixelotl mm-hmm. is amazing. Like in just a few years, you can see how the animation industry in Mexico has like, uh, like it's, you can feel it grow when before it was mm-hmm. like, is there any animation industry in Mexico? Like there was, mm-hmm. but like, in a more mainstream yeah. way, you can see it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's great. I, I'm glad that it's growing. I think, like, uh, you know, like, the world over has lots of different, like, smaller animation industries that, like, just haven't been allowed to grow because, like, uh, everybody's just trying to get that, like, L.A. deal, like, yeah. you know, like, the outsourced mm-hmm. work or whatever. But that's good that the uh, Mexican industries like seems to be growing and like mm-hmm. I would love to see more work come out of there likewise yeah no right now they have like pretty cool projects I'm really looking forward to see yeah so uh, your work has been featured in a variety of different art shows uh, from Sketchpad Gallery in San Francisco all the way to Gallery Nucleus in LA uh, can you tell us how you got involved in having your amazing art featured in those in places like that Oh, thank you. Well, I never thought I would be able to, but then, like, uh, going to school in the Academy of Art in San Francisco, I met a ton of amazing artists, and that's where I met uh, my friend Ruby Wang and Cindy Lee, and they they were organizing this this exhibition called First Time in America, because most of us were international, so they got, like, a, a few artists to illustrate, like, some of our own experiences and friends' experiences that we had the first time we stepped a foot in America. And it was super fun. And they, I'm not sure, I think they ha- they were friends or they knew the people from Sketchpad Gallery. And yeah, that's how they did it. And one of my favorite pieces about that show was uh, my illustration about my friend Diana who moved here when she was around seven years old. So she, she only knew Spanish then. And she didn't know how to say mm-hmm. corn dog. Uh, so she will spend her recess like longingly <laughs> staring at the kids who could eat corn dogs. And like, oh. how do I even get that? <laughs> so those are like, they were just like fun illustrations. Some were like super happy. Some of them were like a little bit embarrassing because of the culture shock or like the cultural culture differences. It was super fun. Is it because fun. she didn't know what it was called or she just couldn't pronounce it? She didn't know what it was called. She just didn't. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just staring longingly at this mysterious food. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and the, uh, shout out to my friend Diana Ramirez. She's yep. also an amazing artist. And uh, in Gallery Nucleus, it was a little bit different. Uh, I started doing planar when I was in my master's. And I had the... I. I followed the water painters on Instagram and I was always like, oh, like, how do I join them? What do I have to do? Who do I have to kill? (laughs) 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 Sorry, Josh. (laughs) They were so amazing. And I I used to go with my friends, but they're like, these people are all so great. I want to like be up. Not because I felt like I deserved to be there, but just like see them do it. <laughs> well, you want to be around so, it, right? Like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I found out that you can just like join their Facebook you can just group. Go. Like, 
Warrior Painters on Facebook. There you can see the events right now. It's a little paused because of the pandemic, but they have a Discord mm. and uh, like everybody's awesome. Everybody helps each other out. They have different uh, exercises every week that you can join if you want. So um, after moving to LA, that's when I started joining them and I, I had the chance to join them uh, several times. And they, they set up a show about like landscape landscape paintings, uh, but mostly like the fun part was that they were all also featuring uh, like wooden coaster paintings, so like tiny oh, cool. tiny paintings. So mm. I I had a few landscape paintings from school, and I really like doing them like in oils and acrylics. So I submitted that and did two wooden coasters, and uh, I got in, and I had the chance to have the exhibition with all of them. They're amazing. And it was at the same time as a Nathan Fox exhibition. So oh, like the first yeah. floor of Gallery Nucleus was all Nathan Fox and then upstairs it was our exhibition. So it was like a dream. I met Nathan Fox. He complimented my painting. I like, he was so oh, nice. That's so nice. Yeah. And then Angela, uh, she's like a, an amazing art director on DreamWorks and she's one of the creators of Warrior Painters, Angela Sung. Uh, she bought one of my wooden coasters and it was like a huge honor. Oh, it feels <laughs> <Yeah>. so good. <laughs> <laughs> so with exhibitions, it's like mostly just looking up like galleries that you know where you see other artists that exhibit like gallery nucleus is huge for like exhibiting animators or like people who work in the animation industry work and you mm -hmm. see sometimes they have open submissions or like friends also tell me hey you should submit your work here just let your friends know that you're into painting and into exhibitions and that's mm -hmm. like people will just come to you and recommend you places it's that <laughs> easy yeah Dang, that's that's honestly really cool. Like like when I was like uh, again looking at your resume, looking at your stuff, like all the galleries you're a part of, I was like, that's so cool. Like, uh, so you one of them you it says that you co-directed one of them, right? Oh uh, yeah, I heard, yeah. yeah. So how did we find out about that? Well, my friend Miral Ortega, another amazing illustrator. Uh, I think I guess it's also we all started like looking for exhibitions and looking to organize them out of our desire to get more ourselves out there mostly because of the working visa requirements mm. or like the artist mm -hmm. visa it's like a part of it to to have to be a part of exhibitions or, or to have your own exhibition so that's like yeah. we we met the people from the consulate in San Francisco, from the Mexican consulate, and we found out that they have a space, a, a gallery space, where they do like artist residencies. Like you can just, anyone from Mexico can go there and request it for like a few months and they can just use that as their studio. They can oh. have a studio in San Francisco for free and they, what, and just that, work on their art. That is art. cool. Oh, yeah, 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 super amazing. And they, you can also request that space for an exhibition. And that's what we did. And we, we thought, well, it has to be like something that celebrates Mexico. And we, we were like all super happy to be in San Francisco, but then we're also like very nostalgic about our hometowns. So that's what we called mm -hmm. the exhibition, my Mexican hometown. And it was, we invited our friends from school, just like, Ruby, like we learned a lot from Ruby and Cindy from the exhibition they had organized before. And so we did it. Mm. Everybody did three pieces about places that they felt at home at. Like I did one from 
Uruapan, Michoacán, that's where I'm from. My idea was to do another one from Guadalajara, but I ended up doing one for Dia de Muertos. Oh. <laughs> and it was two from Mexico and one from San Francisco. So, because we also felt at home there. And it, it was amazing. We, we organized everything. We had Mexican music playing in the background. A ton of people went. It was really the thing is since it's inside of uh, Mexico's general consulate, not a lot of people know that they can just walk in and go up there to see your paintings. But we we tr we invited everyone we knew, and they also helped us uh, promote it. And then I don't know, maybe there's this artist, this amazing artist. His name is uh, Maldito Perrito, <laughs> like damn dog. That's the way he, you can find him on all social media. He does the most beautiful, like um, casual illustrations of like just things he sees on the street and things like that. And he did our, our poster for the, for the exhibition for free. And it's like, I'm going to send it to you later. It's super cute. Yes, please, please do. Please do. Damn, I wish like... I wish I could have gone and see it. That sounds yeah, super cool. Yeah. Sounds so like all a, this stuff is like, like oh, I can't believe this was in the past. I want to go <laughs> yeah. see it now. <laughs> so if you are like Mexican or a Latin artist in San Francisco, just go when once the pandemic goes down more and like things are a little bit more back to normal. Just go visit them. Tell them that you're an artist. Uh, ask them about that space because you could do an exhibition there or you could have your studio there for a few months. You just gotta ask with like enough time for them to like get it for you. So just by like like looking at your art, it seems like your culture is a big influence on you and it's something that you love to represent in your art. So for you, like why, why is a culture, why is your culture such a big part of like your, your art? And also, I, it wasn't like this before. I always bring this up when people ask me about it. Before coming to, before going to San Francisco, I will just like draw Caucasian people or like Asian people, mm -hmm. light-skinned people. Like I never drew mm -hmm. anyone with bronze with brown skin. Even self-portraits in color of myself, like self-portraits. Of course, they are of myself. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> I will draw me with like like maybe a little olive tan skin like you couldn't tell I was like this skin tone that I am and I'm so happy to be now in our in my bachelor's we were supposed to do like a group project like almost like a thesis but not but not really a thesis and the only idea that we came up with was like a cute story about a kid who turns into a monster in France <laughs> Not in Mexico, <laughs> not in any beautiful Latin America country. No, in France. And two little white kids, two cute little white kids. I'm still happy with my paintings. But and then, and then in San Francisco, I met people from Thailand, people from Korea, China, everywhere, uh, Peru. And everybody was like, oh, you're from Mexico. It's so colorful there. It's so beautiful. And I'm like, yeah. Actually, it is, and I really miss it. And then that, and then I saw other friends do like actually represent themselves in their art, and I thought, well, I should be doing that. What am I doing? Like only drawing from light-skinned people <laughs> and not my culture. So that's when the switch happened. Honestly, you 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 weren't alone. Uh, I think when I was like younger too, like when I would caricaturize myself. Uh, 
I think it was a couple reasons. One, I will always draw like mm-hmm. a white papers, yeah. and like there was never also, a brown mm-hmm. or a tan color crayon mm-hmm. for me to color in myself in. So I would just yeah. leave myself white. But what I think it happened the most when it came to like video games. When I would play like video games, and it, and it had an option for like creating your own character. I always just go with the basic white skin character and I never because every time I would try to I would look at the brown character I don't know if they just did it on purpose or they didn't care but it always looked very Mm -hmm. muddy and so I was like this like it looks really like flattering at all muddy so I was just yeah not flattering so I would so and then it wasn't until I got older where I was like why am I making these white characters? Like, why <laughs> exactly. why can't they be brown? Yeah. Why can't they be Hispanic? And so mm-hmm. I think um, I think more throughout high school and college, I started doing that more. But but still, it's like, but why is your default white? Why it gotta be white? <laughs> yeah. The default is white. Like even even for you, like growing up in Me- Mexico, it's that's mm-hmm. how far reaching like the Eurocentric, the light skinned sort of like idea of like beauty or default is like oh, yes. uh, the world over. Like they kind of, it, it kind of feels that way. Right. Um, yeah. Like not just, mm-hmm. not just us in America. And I think it's really important to think about that and like start having those conversations and it kind of why we're having the podcast too. Right. Like to highlight mm-hmm. these voices and, and as you're saying, like, the authenticity that we can bring to the table um that that'll just like enrich everybody's lives and and make everybody Mm -hmm. feel better and see themselves maybe i don't i don't know if i should say this but for like white creators if you want to do things outside of like your experiences talk to people from that culture (laughs) just like ask them what they think Mm -hmm. i don't think that's a bad thing at all so one of the side projects you have going on is that you're developing a webcomic How's how's that coming along? Are you comfortable talking about that? I, I I always thought about telling my grandma's story because she she's like a huge inspiration to me and she passed away recent like in this earlier this year mm-hmm. and I I feel a little bit sad that I didn't get to do it so she could see it but mm-hmm. I but I know she was proud of me and like all the things that I have accomplished so far. And I know she's like still with me, but uh, yeah, I want other people to see it. I, I just had a talk uh, in this panel called Latinas in Hollywood and where we all share the stories of or, like our grandmas and great grandmothers and mothers and how that brought us to this creative journey. It's on YouTube. If you want to listen to it, Latinas mm. in Hollywood. Yes. Totally. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And uh, a few of my family members watched it and then they told me, hey, I didn't know those things about my grandma. I didn't know those things about my family. We got to talk more and we like, that's amazing. I was so inspired. And I'm like, so it, I know, I, I just know I got to tell those stories about my family. <laughs> uh, so what made you decide to pursue a career in animation? Um... Yeah, well, like most of us, or a lot of us, I love drawing since I was like a, like three years old. I used to get in trouble for drawing on my books and to... <laughs> my parents will take like the notebooks away from me and I will steal my brother's notebooks and draw on the back of his notebooks and oh. then I will get in trouble because he will find out, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, I always thought I would be a doctor because my dad is a OBGYN mm-hmm. and he had, 
he has like a woman he had a woman's clinic in our house like the first floor was like the surgery room and then the oh. rooms for them to stay wow. yeah yeah it was crazy having that experience growing up because the babies will be born and I will think, well, the babies were born in my house, so they are mine now. Why are they oh. taking them away? I'm a little Yeah, and my dad, like, he, I, I know he wanted us to be doctors, like me and my brother, but he never pushed it because he had seen, like, what other of, like, what his friends had, kids had been, like, through, like, if you pressure someone to study something that they don't like, it's probably not going to be a good thing. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but I, I was like, I'm going to be a doctor, even an architect, because I knew maybe something are related, maybe graphic design. And then my brother started going out with this girl called Steph, and she started studying animation in Canada. Oh. And I thought, oh, wait, <laughs> what? Can- studying animation is something you can do it's studying animation is something people do and then uh yeah i had i had the luck to have another friend who was like super into animation too and we found out that there were a couple of schools in guadalajara that offer that program so we were like okay Mm -hmm. now this is it and we gotta we gotta just prepare for that and yeah that's how i did that's so cool well, uh, well, on that topic, because we we know that you studied at the Tecnológico uh, de Monterrey. Yes. And you also studied at the Academy of Art mm-hmm. uh, University in San Francisco. How is that experience between those two, studying in Mexico and then studying in SF? Yeah, okay, it's a huge difference. First of all, because El Tecnológico de Monterrey it's not an art school. It's a, like an engineering school mostly. In all bachelors, people take like general studies. Mm-hmm. But in El Tecnológico, it felt a little bit excessive. And then it, it wasn't until like fourth or the fifth semester that we started doing like actual like 3D modeling and 3D animation. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, and it was nice. We, we also had like some good fundamentals or our teacher was amazing. It was a good place to to meet people that were like interested in what I wanted to do too. And then it was a great way of finding out that I don't want to do anything else besides drawing and concept art, <laughs> visual development. Well, in El Tecnológico, I studied animation and digital art. And then in the Academy of Art, I studied visual development because I already knew that I'm like, I'm good at drawing, that this is what I enjoy the most. And I knew the program was like very specific to like just drawing all day, like maybe a few like communication classes just mm-hmm. to be able to deal with clients or maybe art history things. But yeah, it was just like drawing. And then I thought, okay, visual development, I'm going to be like specializing. Right. And then I found out, well, not really, because you can also do like even through art, you can do background painting, you can do layout design, you can do storyboarding, like visual development is specific, but like, you don't have to, you can do so many more things as well. So like, and then in yeah, visual, visual development, development is super broad as well. Yeah. And then characters, environments, props, props yeah, yeah, texture. And yeah. So now, it was good to also find out that now, okay, I like visual development, but I like backgrounds even better because mm. everybody can do 
everything if they try really hard, but like why make your your experience extra hard? Just like you, if you know what you enjoy doing, just go for that and like get good at doing that. And that's when you're gonna get hired and people are gonna be like, you're gonna stand out because you, you're spending time on it and you like it. To be able, not, not to compare yourself to others, but like to be inspired by other people who wanted to do like something really close to what you want to end up doing. Right. So that's how I noticed like a huge improvement in the things that I did. And then like everybody's like mm -hmm. interested, like, hey, you should really learn about Sargent and these other artists because like the way they render things is like really useful to understand value. And then in, in Mexico, maybe like it wasn't as known or I didn't I, I don't right. really I didn't really understand anything about values <laughs> until uh, until my masters I was like what well, wait what are them mm -hmm. and yeah so so yeah more specific education and I I think it's really good that I had both experiences mm. yeah. yeah so does it does it feel like uh it's from the looks from the looks of a academy of art uh does it feel like your education prepared you for life after college specifically school like the classes maybe didn't prepare me as well but like talking to friends and talking to the teachers like outside and asking them how what their experience was or like how to get clients or what are you doing oh you're getting an illustration agent how do you do that uh what what it's gonna be like and that's so the whole experience does prepare you more than just like going to school because mm -hmm. there's there's people who really think okay I'm gonna go to school and I'm giving them a ton of money to teach me everything I need so as long as I go to the classes and do exactly what I'm asked for I should become a perfect and I should get hired by Pixar and that's like you gotta do so much more than that like the school is a great mm -hmm. ground to go from but yeah you gotta do way more things Yeah, no, I think that's with any program. Uh, any program could just give you the foundations, but it's really mm -hmm. your responsibility to go beyond that. Mm -hmm. Some schools, they love to say how online, the online program is the same as the, the physical or the on-campus on program. And I will say sure, but no, because on online they don't make you like really interact with the with the other students like you even see it as a like a sure that you don't want to do oh no this is a team project and i'm gonna talk to these people and maybe what if they are lazy i don't want to do it nobody's gonna do their job and then in, on campus you meet them you see them you you interact and you it's not just about school right you go out you you really meet them as person as a person and that's And that really helps in the future to work on projects. Yeah, socializing, together. networking, yeah, you get yeah. to connect. So if you if you only have the opportunity to do online school, that's amazing. But really, really try to connect through with other artists through Twitter or to Instagram or with other people because that's so important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, very true. Very true. <laughs> the the connections you make in school always always I think is way more valuable than the yeah. education because at most schools you will get the same like foundation education courses like the technical stuff but like mm -hmm. who you meet in like those soft skills like making friends making those connections with your peers like that's really like the invaluable stuff so gloria for you what are your future aspirations in this industry um in the future uh 
right now I really want to get a full-time job <laughs> but like in background painting I'm available if anyone's interested well in January I'll be fully available but uh, in the future I would love to do art direction for like a TV animated series or a feature film and uh, I will also love to go back to teaching art like I said in San Francisco I had the opportunity to teach and mm -hmm. it was super fun it's like really inspiring to see other people make art and like their process and to be able to like teach them things and see how much they improve. Mm -hmm. So I would love to to teach again. Oh, that's really yeah. sweet. Honestly, those, <laughs> those are good ambitions and I hope like you do reach those goals. Because you. like you, again, your art's amazing and I oh, totally feel like it's in reach for you. Thank you, thank you so much. No, no worries. So to wrap this up, uh, at least the interview portion of the podcast is, what advice do you have for students that want to pursue a career in animation? Okay, so I, I wrote a few, and but I don't know how to make them sound like like have a good flow. So I'm just gonna say them. As <laughs> That's why I just read off a list. <laughs> <laughs> so one is like even if you don't know how to, draw, you think you don't know how to draw, um, try to do or go to figure drawing lessons like. Look them up on YouTube. There's like a ton of resources. There, one of them is Crocky Cafe. And just like draw, draw figures or draw animals. Watch a movie and sketch. Like just really like get your arm, your whole arm and head moving. And if it can be traditional the way you start, even better. Like I know a ton of artists just go straight to digital and are amazing. But like uh, having the traditional experience really helps a lot to improve on digital art. And like um, do your research if you want to go to an art school. Uh, try to connect with uh, alumni from the school. Ask them what their experience was, like how's the workload, how are the teachers. Uh, and then see also where they are now, like where are they working on and see if it's kind of what you want to do. And also, if you if you really don't have the resources to go to art school, you don't have to. You can just like go online, go on online courses, meet people. There's a ton of tutorials on YouTube and uh, Gumroad. But yeah, just like I said before, really try to meet people on like on Twitter and also support other artists. Use we're all like we're not competing. We're all teammates. And it's mm -hmm. the it's so much nicer when when we realize that I I yeah. didn't mention that but I I noticed that too in my masters versus my BA was that in the masters I think everybody knew that we're all on this together like high school musical mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> like oh, we're all like supporting each other and nobody's like hey your painting sucks like that because. Everybody hears about those things in art school, no? Like, right. there's always the mean one, and there's always, like, everybody's competing and not wanting to share their, uh, like, tips and things like that. And in the masters, since everybody's a little bit more mature, I think, like, we were just, like, happy to be together, learning from each other and supporting mm -hmm. each other. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah, that's about it. And if you're international and you want to one of your dreams is to go to Canada or the States to work, Please, really try to get a degree. Just, just in that case, really try to get a degree, even if it's like 
not the best and most expensive school. Just get a degree related to design or art or animation if it's if possible, because that's gonna help mm -hmm. you a ton once you wanna try once you try to get an artist visa or a working visa mm -hmm. to come to the state. Great, great advice. Well, uh, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, where can our listeners find you? And is there anything you want to plug? Um, you can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook as uh, at Gloria Felix Art or Gloria Felix Art. And I like to plug my one of the books I illustrated just came out. It's called Latinos uh, Latinas. Uh, uh, no, sorry, wait. <laughs> it's called <laughs> Nuestra América. Latinas and Latinos who shaped our country. And yeah, it's about, I learned a ton illustrating it. And I think it's a great read for anyone who wants to learn more mm -hmm. about the U.S. history. Oh, fantastic. If you like what you've heard, please rate us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or wherever you tune in. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at StraightAheadAP and let us know your response to today's in-between question. Or if you have any suggestions for future in-between questions, contact us on social media or send us an email at straightaheadpodcast@gmail.com. at gmail.com. If you have any suggestions for guests, please tweet at us. We love discovering new artists and want to use this platform to boost these voices of the future. And finally, a big thanks to our music composer, Daniel Rodier. Thank you. No, we're happy. We're happy that you had an amazing time. And then thanks again for listening. And thank you uh, once again to our guests uh, who has a bright future straight ahead. Until next week, have a wonderful day. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye. <laughs>